You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 136 with Tim Robertson, David Cohen, special guest from the Mac Just podcast, Nick Rodriguez. Check it out. Sex fan number 136. I am Tim Robertson, and as usual, I've got David Cohen here. Hello, David. Hey, hey. And, uh, you know, we've uh, we've been talking about getting other people on the show. I had Owen Rubin on two weeks ago, but what we were really talking about is getting someone to come on with us occasionally, and we went and did that. We went to the, we turned to the dark side, the Apple universe. <laughs> oh, no. So we went and grabbed uh, Nick Rodriguez. Hello, Nick. Hello, good to be here. So you are uh, the famous Nick that I was arguing with. <laughs> God, that was probably what three, four months ago now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, so, it wasn't really an argument; it was no. more of a slapdown. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, how's your podcast going? Very good, very good. Um, we had a couple of scheduling issues the past couple of weeks, but obviously it's been exciting because we've had a lot of that new Apple stuff. So that's always fun. We. We, we kind of joked when we first started the show um, back at the beginning of the year in January, we had that long stretch of nothing but talking about what Apple could release. And then finally we got something, you know, this, this uh, well, we got something with the WWDC keynote, but yeah, it's we a had vicious that cycle. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of like, we started this podcast at the wrong time, guys. <laughs> you know, but, I think uh, though, you know, I did a Mac, po- Mac focus podcast for a long time and what I found was the speculation was some of the best shows yeah. speculating what they could do and why that would be a good idea or a bad idea or what have you. I've always liked those kind of shows. Um, but not everybody does. Of course I, I like them. And once the product's out there and you say, so let's say you, you do an every two week podcast or your episode comes out six days after that product has been released. It's almost anticlimactic. It's like, well, you guys all have the product now, and now we're going to talk about it for an entire episode of something you have in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a catch-22. That's kind of the way we were with iOS 7 when we did a, a kind of a little review of iOS 7. It was like, we've had it since the developer betas. And so to us, it wasn't new, and it was like, how do we make this sound new to us now? <laughs> you know? Always so. difficult. Yeah. <clears throat> so I had spent, uh, we started a little late today, and uh, so I spent the last half hour watching YouTube videos of uh, Grand Theft Auto Five online multiplayer, and Ooh. I laughed, I've been laughing for the last half hour. My stomach actually hurts. <laughs> I mean, it's not, yeah, there's some vulgar, vulgarity in there, of course, you know, the t- players talking to each other, but for the most part, they're just doing really stupid stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. One character will land a helicopter next to a bike ramp, and the rest of the guys will try to jump over the blades of the helicopter, and they don't. They'd never make it. <laughs> but the distance that they go after they hit their blades, their characters just go flying. It's so funny. It's wow. uh, it, it's, well. it's early. It's early days for the the GTA Online multiplayer. But as David was saying, there's been some problems, David. 
Well, so I understand. Um, I I know a couple of people at work who who are kind of mad Xbox gamers and were looking forward to playing online. And a couple of them had said that they were actually going to hold off for a few days and wait for the problems to settle down. And I think pretty much everybody expected that it was going to be a little bit rough the first couple of days because the game has sold so quickly and so well and they'd hold they'd held the online servers back uh for a week or two um so i think everyone was kind of anticipating that people were going to go rushing in and might might knock it down um and that's what happened well it's not that they just knocked it down uh there was some game save issues i mean some people said they couldn't even play the single player after they installed GTA Online. Other people said that their saved progress in their regular game was gone. Uh, that's what scares me. That's why I... Other, other than the fact that I haven't had time to play it, that's what scares me. I don't want to have to start the single-player game again. You know what I mean? I'm like 25% through, and I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that again. Uh, and you kind of... You know, those sort of things are, are the sort of things you... You've come to expect from PC releases over the years. Right. They could be like you don't normally expect that sort of thing to happen on a console, um, because the console is much more a stable environment for the developers to to drop to. Um, but I guess the whole thing was a bit of a rush, really. Are you uh, much of a video game player, Nick? I uh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> have you picked up GTA Five yet? I have, what and I haven't. I, the game itself is. Um, a, a marvel <laughs> it's pretty amazing that the game itself although i haven't been able to play the online portion of it uh, i've tried a couple times and i've just figured it just kind of went to a loading screen and sat there for five minutes and then i kind of figured i'll just go back to the single player at this point yep. <clears throat> so i haven't had any of the issues i mean obviously other than not being able to use it i haven't had anything where you know my saves are gone or anything although i mean i, I feel like i feel like a lot of gamers are, are giving Rockstar a lot of leeway with this issue, um, whereas a company like EA, who had a failed launch of uh, SimCity multiple times, absolutely, everybody yeah. was kind of poo-pooing them and and writing them off, and but we're still okay with GTA, even though it's not working yet. A week later, and they delayed this launch of online, so it, it kind of feels like. I mean, obviously, Rockstar is is in much better graces to the gamers, but it just kind of feels a little. Well, I think some wow. of that is uh, EA hasn't really been a gamer's best friend. EA yeah. treats gamers as, you know, a source of money. And I think they all do, let's be honest. But I think that some companies like Blizzard and uh, Rockstar really cater to what the the end user, the gamer, really, really wants out of those games. And they take a long time to release a new title. I mean, look at StarCraft Two. It was, what, 12 years between <laughs> the first one and the second one? Yeah. And they knew it was going to make just tons of money, but they wanted to do it right. And, yeah. of course, World of Warcraft was taking a lot of resources. But they waited. And there was still problems with StarCraft Two when it came out online multiplayer. And, like GTA, gamers kind of gave them a pass. Do you think that's just because of a reputation of a company? Or do you think the more popular a game, the more people are going to go, okay, yeah, I'll give them a chance to fix this. Whereas something like SimCity, we may like to think is popular, but there's no way SimCity is even close to the popularity of a GTA or a oh, yeah. or a, any Blizzard game. Well, so, I mean, I, I, I love I pre-ordered SimCity. I was ready for it day one, and I was sorely disappointed. I actually, honestly, when, when SimCity came out, didn't have a lot of issues with it. Um, 
internet, you know, connecting wise and all that stuff. I got to play it day one, but, um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think it's the fact that, that, um, Rockstar has made some pretty great games in the past that we're, we're willing to give them a little more of a pass. Well, the other thing as well is that games from EA, uh, and more recently games from Blizzard have required you to be online to even to play the single player component. True Mm -hmm. enough. So, so you're much more dependent on that being right. And, you know, given I, I think what caused the problem with SimCity, and we talked about this at the time, is that given they built the game like that, they designed it to always be online. It's ridiculous not to anticipate the level of demand. Yeah, which is kind of what they said. They said after it after it all fell over, they said, "Well, we didn't really expect it to be quite so busy," and wh- and that was a game where they they made a big deal about the fact that the online servers were doing some processing for you. So th- those two things didn't seem to to marry up, and at that point, people started to say, "Well, maybe they just put this in as DRM, and if they've done that, and we can't play the game because they've not anticipated demand, then that that really doesn't allow you to give them a pass at all." Um, whereas, obviously, you know, with GTA Five. You can play it offline. I mean, and they did. They were, they were fairly upfront as saying, "Look, it is going to be rough for the first few weeks." Mm-hmm. They said, "They said there are bugs to be found. Um, it's going to be very busy." They did kind of set expectations six months ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I think it's more about the way they've handled it um, and some of the decisions they've made. I think, you know, GTA Five has made a monster amount of money in a very short amount of time i can't imagine it was sold quite so well if they'd had a requirement to be online for drm straight at the start because a lot of people don't like that you know it made over a billion dollars in one week what is it was just a week it was just the weekend it was just the weekend yeah i think the game came out on a thursday so it was thursday friday saturday and sunday a billion dollars I mean, what I've been hearing, art, I've been reading articles online that, you know, oh, the death of console games and mobiles taking over. <laughs> I'm sorry, you point to maybe Plants vs. Zombies have done a billion dollars since it's been out for four years, but mobile can't compete with that, can they? No. <laughs> no. No. But uh, mobile has a longer tail. Um, look, mobile is a, is you know it's a more regular revenue. I mean, you've got to remember from a from a cash flow point of view, you don't really want to be spending five years developing a game and then making billion or two billion in the space of two weeks. Because over five, well, <laughs> no, but over those five years, you know, you need, you actually do need the steady cash cash flow. You actually need the, the games that don't sell so well, but keep the money coming in, so that you can keep everyone paid and working. Yeah, it's kind of um, like a Hollywood studio, you know. Yeah, you're going to release the smaller films that aren't going to do that well, may not even break even, but the big blockbusters are going to sustain those type of movies. And it says something about to me about uh, a rock star is the fact that this is the fifth version of this game now. I mean, this is a this is a series I remember playing the original one on my Amiga like 30 years ago, <laughs> and um, the fact that it's just continuing to. Um, you know, to be so impressive. I, I said to you before we started, when I, I looked at that video, Tim, um, every piece of footage I see from the game, I see the ads and I see the videos and that sort of thing. Even though I have GTA 4 that I haven't finished and really didn't really get that into, every time I see this, it's so much better than the previous version. It really I'm is. Thinking, I'm going to have to get myself a copy of this and not do my normal thing of wait six, seven months before I uh, I pick it up on cheap. <laughs> I, I have to you say, I, I love GTA 4. I've loved every version of GTA, to be honest. Um, 
And I still, up until GTA Five, I said Vice City was my favorite, but only because of the the atmosphere. When it came to the pure game, San Andreas was the best. Yeah. But I think this is my favorite now. I mean, not just because it's shiny and new, but because it's it's a huge play area. I mean. I walked from the furthest south I could go all the way to north, and it took me 45 minutes just to walk it, not to drive, to walk. That's a that's a big area. <laughs> that's, that's that would take a big. lot of patience. Holy uh, cow! Yeah, I was. Uh, it was something I wanted to do. I've done it in every single GTA game. the The only one that came close was San Andreas, which coincidentally is the same city in GTA Five. Uh, in San Andreas, it took me a little over a half hour to walk furthest north from south uh but this one took longer uh, have you gone uh, underwater i have a little bit um a whole other world under there I, i've heard <laughs> and i'm kind of saving that until i i don't know i don't know why i'm just kind of saving it uh, i i'm really liking this game a lot and uh i encourage anybody who you know it still has that reputation of oh that's the game that you run over hookers well <laughs> yes that's one thing it does but you don't have to do that Although I have, of course. Uh, well, they they totally are asking for it. I mean, look at them. Um. <laughs> Your characters almost always say sorry too. So yeah, that's true. That makes it okay, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, if you apologize, I mean, you know. <laughs> so I think that what this is really saying, in a gaming sense and an entertainment sense, probably is is more apt, is that we really are willing to spend a lot of money on quality content and unfortunately i don't think we get a lot of quality content for the most part we get a lot of games we get a lot of tv shows we get a lot of movies but few of them are really great content and so when something really great comes out we're going to spend money on it yeah at least that's my take from this well also it's the the left the you know, a lot of modern games, a Call of Duty game, if you're any good at those, you can play through those in 10, 10 12 hours. Yeah. The the level of um, the level of content in this, even when you finish the storyline, is massive. And that's before you even get into the online component. Yep. So um, the investment you're making, your $60 for Grand Theft Auto V, is you're getting an awful lot out of that, whereas um, for a lot of other games, even these big blockbusters, you don't. And there's a little hidden things in the game that you may never come across. Like, for instance, Nick, you're playing the single player. Have you helped anybody yet? Every now and then you're driving around the map, you'll see a little red thing that someone needs help. You could stop and help them or not. So I did it once um, when I first started playing, and I was like, oh, this is going to cool. You know, a little random instance that happens. And um, I ended up giving the lady's purse back or something like that. I did it a second time, and I got mugged. (laughs) And then I never did it again. I, I did it. My lesson. <laughs> I, I saved two ladies' purses, and then there was this guy that was screaming that someone stole his bike, and I saw it. It happened right in front of me. And the guy riding the bike happened to go right up into the sidewalk close where I was driving this big truck, so I just ran him over, jumped on the bike, and brought it back to the guy with the bike that, you know, it was his. And he was very grateful. And uh, maybe a couple days later, I'm playing it again. Forgot about the whole thing, of course. Mm-hmm. And I get a phone call. And it's the guy whose bike I saved. And he is um, some CEO of some, uh, what was it? It was some kind of a health food or something. 
And he was so grateful that I rescued his bike. He was wiring me a hundred thousand shares of his stock. And I'm like, whoa, that was awesome. <laughs> maybe, yeah. I, maybe I'll have to start being a good citizen again. Yeah, if GTA. you see someone stealing a bike, help that person. Because maybe a half hour after I got that call, I'm still playing. And I see someone else getting their bike jacked. So I stopped that guy. And it turns out it's the same guy. He goes, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, this isn't even part of the main game. Yeah. This is maybe maybe 80% of anybody playing GTA will ever come across that. But that's the kind of level of detail that just makes a game like this mm-hmm. jump out at you and go, this is cool. I like this <clears throat> a lot. Yeah, and all, I mean, all the little the little mini games you can play, the tennis, the darts. Tennis is really fun, actually. I've heard that. I haven't played it yet. Um, what else is there? There's golfing. And you can actually take the golfing like seriously. You can you know hit the golf ball, go back to your golf cart, drive up. Go to go to your golf ball and go hit the, you know like a real golf game almost. So yeah, and you can also just go drive around in a golf cart on the golf course and mess around. <laughs> well, it's it's also so. the level of detail. This is what kind of sucked me back into video games way back in two thousand and two, um, when I was playing Vice City, and I've talked about it on the show. It was simply driving around and doing things that wasn't part of the game, just kind of exploring the city. Yeah. And I, I, that's what I like about these GTA games because the level of detail. Assassin's Creed did a really good job of that too. Although there's a lot of the sameness in those games, but just looking at the level of detail, thinking that it was someone's job to program this, but they put these little details in there that most people just, you know, fly by at 110 miles an hour in their car will never stop and really look at it. And when you really do, you realize the level of detail. That tells you something about the people who created this. They're, they're not just game programmers. They're artists. And I, I like to kind of slow down and look around and really appreciate it sometimes. And, and I hope this more is, people do that. Yeah, It's the same with, um, with other forms of media. I mean, if you, if you go and see a movie where uh, the scenery has been designed so only the stuff you can make out in the movie is there. And... You might see the odd microphone type popping into shot on the top or things like that versus a movie where they've really put in the level of detail that you can't see, but they do it because it makes the actors' performances better. So I don't uh, know. I also no. think we were we used to be a lot more forgiving of that. Um, I watched, I don't know why, I was just turning the channels as on and I thought, I'm going to stop and watch this for a few minutes. The first Batman movie from 89. (laughs) And I swear to God, there was only 40 people who lived in all of Gotham City. Yeah. And every shot of downtown, you could always see the same one theater, which meant it was just a very small soundstage compared to today, what they could do in digital. And they just kept reusing the same scenery over and over and over. Yeah. And it was like, (laughs) okay, the commissioner is going to have a press conference. And there's like 30 people there, but there's nobody on the streets. The whole, it looks like a ghost town, like Batman's fighting 12 criminals to save three civilians throughout the entire city. That's what it looks like. I mean, that would never fly today, would it? Well, I I think, again, that that goes to the creative decisions. I think a, a decent production designer would make sure that he designed 
those sets so he could always have matte paintings in the background to make it look larger than it was and would have the right number of extras to make the places look filled and, you know, use... Uh, skewed perspective and stuff like that to make it look larger in the camera and some people do and some people don't and you can tell those things apart it's why if you go back and watch a syndicated tv show from 10 15 years ago it looks terrible yeah and it's and part of it is because the level of production design now is much much higher um and as i say those things can make a difference they can bring different performances out of the actors they can engage the whole crew into what they're doing in in a much greater way if these if the places they're performing in might you know feel more real feel more physical rather than being a sailed stage or a green screen i think that was one of the problems they had with the uh, with the Star Wars prequels is because they were so digital, basically everybody was acting to nothing all the time, and I'm sure it really affects the performances. What do you think about digital, Nick? Do you think that because of this technology that we do expect more now? Absolutely. And, and we're so I, I, unforgiving? I, well, I mean, I don't think it's because of... I don't think it's because of the technology. Well, I guess maybe it is because of the technology. Um, I guess it's hard to say. I, I think we did. we definitely do now expect more... Um, from from the media and the content that we consume. Um, if you even look at a more recent example, if you look at the first couple seasons of Breaking Bad, yeah, compared to where they where they ended and and where they were recently, um, there was a reason why that show actually was almost canceled at a, at one point because it the the it was still it was still well written, but it um, technology wise and and and. You could tell the budget was low on that on that show for a long time. I was just reading an interview with the cinematographer on that, and he technology saved the show in Netflix because everyone oh, yeah. started binging, and that's kind of what brought it back. But a curious thing happened between season one and season halfway through season two, and that was the viewers all started buying HD TVs so they could shoot them more like a movie. And you could really see the difference in the cinematography from the first season to the last. That they just figured everyone watching this is now on an HD widescreen TV, mm-hmm. and they filmed it as such. And I thought that was it was an interesting behind-the-scenes factoid that I never would have thought about. But once he said it, it made total sense to me. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think it goes. I think even more to the technology point of how we want to consume our media. Um, Netflix is a great example of how that show was saved. I mean, and there was only, I think, 10 million people who watched the series finale, which, if you compare it to some other series finales, uh, even five, ten years ago, is is nothing. But nowadays, that's looked at as a huge number of people watching that show simultaneously. So, And we also have different viewing habits because of technology. We yeah. always, we've had VCRs for a long, long time, but... Let's be honest, it was pretty rare if you actually recorded a show like Breaking Bad and watched it at your leisure. Now with DVRs, almost nobody watches stuff live, it seems. I didn't even watch the Breaking Bad season finale live. I waited to, purposely, by the way, I was playing GTA Five and I kept looking at the <laughs> clock. I made sure that the program was 40 minutes ahead of me. And then I went down and watched it because I, did, I wanted to skip the commercials. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, yeah, I was I really... watching it. I was watching my recording as it was still recording the rest of it. Yeah, we 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 do that a lot with our DVRs. Um, uh, I mean, Agents of Shield is running here on a Friday night. Uh huh. Same um, here. It's well, yeah. So, it, but the thing is, for us, it's fairly rare. Even nowadays, it's fairly rare for us to get you know a first string show like that virtually at the same time as it airs in the states. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, you know, we appreciate that. But my, my kid's in the hospital. He was in the hospital last night. And uh, one of the things he said is he said, oh, you know, we're not going to be able to, because he likes to sit down and watch it with us, you uh -huh. know. Friday night, so we, he gets to stay up a bit late to watch it. So he was disappointed. I said, don't worry, I'll bring it in tomorrow. And uh, this morning, before I went up to the hospital, I made sure that I um, that I grabbed a copy of it off the internet, put it on, on the iPad, and took it up. And we were able, still able to sit down and, and watch it together. That's, you know, that's also amazing. without the ads. Well, yeah. it, you know, it, it, those sort of things, that yeah, they're not important in the great scheme of things. I don't know. You know? I, think that, I think that is it's, important, David. I, I really well, do. It I mean, was it brings your family yeah. closer together it in the hospital. In the hospital, and it was 45 minutes when yeah. he wasn't thinking about how crappy he was feeling. Yeah. He was thinking about, you know, you what was going on, on on the screen. And You, that you was could great, bring a little you know? bit of home to yeah. the hospital. And it's not just, here's some... I remember when I was a kid, uh, I don't remember why I was in the hospital. I think I had some something to do with my eye. I had a, a really bad infection that initially they thought, thought it was a sty. And I used to get styes yeah. quite a bit when I was a kid. But this one went really bad. And mm -hmm. the only thing they had to comfort me was some magazines and some comic books. That was about it. There yeah. was no handheld video games. There was no DVRs at the hospital. There was three channels, and during the day it was all soap operas. Um, so that's all I had. It was just a couple magazines. Nowadays, you give them an iPad at the hospital with some TV shows and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's unlimited distraction from the pain. Yeah. I think that's kind of cool. Let's take a quick break real quick here, and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, guy. There's a new podcast out. Great. What's it about? Let's Talk Apple. Well, yeah, we will. We will. But uh, what's the podcast called? Let's Talk Apple. Okay, if you want to. Uh, Rainier, Silken, Gold Rush, Pippin. What are you on about? I'm talking Apple. Huh? That's what you wanted, wasn't it? Us talking about apples? Well, there we go again, tangentially, as usual, moving off topic. Did you know Bart Bouchotts has a new podcast out? Yep. Let's talk Apple. Oh, jeez. Siri, I'm looking for a new Apple podcast to listen to. Any recommendations? I found one new podcast for you, but it looks like they only record themselves drinking and chatting about the latest Apple news and rumor. Well, that sounds great. What's it called? It's called the MacGist Podcast, but Nick, why would anyone listen to that? Well, Siri, alcohol is the anesthesia by which we endure the operation of life. I found these five rehab clinics near you. Would you like directions? Ugh, Siri, enough with the rehab. Just download the latest MacGist Podcast, now. I'm sorry, Nick. I cannot do that at this time. Go home, Siri. You're drunk. That's not nice. Eh, what does she know anyways? Check us out over at themacgistpodcast.com. Back here on Tech Fan number 136, Tim Robertson, David Cohen, Nick Rodriguez, talking about technology. We're all huge fans of technology, and of course, uh, we figure you are too if you're listening to this show. And as such, we'd love to get feedback from you guys. Simply go to techfanpodcast.com. You can send an email from there. You can leave a voice message from there. Um carrier pigeons take a little bit longer so don't use that i mean you can but you know it, it takes a while and then i like to cc david on all the contacts that come in so if it's a carrier pigeon that takes even longer it's, yep you know that that mid-atlantic crossing is kind of brutal on the poor pigeon <laughs> <laughs> they don't always make it so i was thinking about something and i don't remember if we talked about this uh before or not david but with nick here um 
Apple products seem to be the, all the hotness right now, and they have been for quite a while. But I started thinking about this, watching some old 80s shows. You remember um, the Ricky Schroeder show? Anybody remember that? Uh, I don't think I ever saw that. Uh, well, I remember he was Silver Spoons. Silver Spoons. Is that the that one, was yeah? It. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And in his house, he had arcade machines. And I remember watching that as a kid thinking, that would be awesome. Because he was meant, yeah, he was, his dad was meant to be a, a billionaire, wasn't he? Or right. A millionaire. Right. Yeah. So all the cool things that he had when I was a kid, that was just unheard of. But I started thinking, what's the difference between a millionaire or a billionaire and the technology he gets to use on a daily basis compared to us? And I, I don't think there is any difference anymore, is there, Nick? No, I don't think so. I mean, there's a couple things. Um, I, I would say probably, I guess my my immediate thought is a, is a huge home theater uh, system. You know, something where, you know, like a room, a home theater room, whereas I kind of have to make my makeshift basement um, set up into a, into a home theater. But his viewing you know? quality or it, even yeah. the audio quality isn't that much better than what you can for, for a lot less money. I mean, you can get a surround sound system now for less than five hundred bucks. You can get a, a huge TV for less than a thousand bucks. You can get Blu-ray. He's not going to have any kind of quality better than Blu-ray. So yeah. the actual experience, I, I, there's no difference now, is there? Well, I mean, he could probably afford a 4K display, and I couldn't. But what kind of content are you going to get on a 4K? There's nothing out there very true <laughs> so but yeah. but once yeah. he can start getting the 4k content i guarantee you it's going to be priced competitively that you're going to be able to afford it if you really want to yeah yeah that's very true i mean and even even smaller gadgets computers uh, obviously phones i've got the the latest phone so right i mean there was a time that cell phones were so expensive and you had to yeah. have pretty broad shoulders to carry the bag that you needed for the battery with it that that was an unheard of thing you go back and watch wall street from the 80s, that movie. And he's using that big Motorola brick of a phone. And that was kind of a cool thing back then because the average person didn't have anything like that. Now, I mean, <laughs> a couple hundred bucks, you've got the best iPhone out there. What's the rich guy got? Uh, the most expensive iPhone out there. So what's the... what's is there any difference between the the poor man or the working class yeah. man's technology and the rich man's technology? I'd say the rich man could afford to be first in line for the gold iPhone 5S. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not out no. of reach is the point. No, I, I think what, what you're talking about is that is that globalization and the opening up of, of foreign markets and foreign production and the advances in technology means that technology is a lot cheaper than it ever used to be. Um, dollar for dollar, you know, the first Macintosh was was the equivalent of about four or five thousand dollars in today's money. Yep, and that was a cheap computer. Yep. Yeah. Whereas nowadays you can go in and you can you can go into a store and pick up a a, a brand new computer for a few for a, you know a laptop even for a few hundred dollars. Yep. So that that's really what it. And also, I think we have more disposable income now than perhaps we had back then too. I think that's also changed. Um, I, I used I used to think that it was the access to the information that rich people had that the working class didn't. That's not true anymore either. No, uh, I'd, I'd I'd agree with you. I, I think the only the only real difference is the 
is the kind of the the types of toys have gone up in you know in scale for people who are extremely rich you would i would imagine that people who are very rich would fly in helicopters more often than we do <laughs> yeah i i was i was kind of strike i went on a cruise for um for for the holiday this year and uh, one day we were in port and i was walking back to the ship i'd been off for a, for a couple of hours and i saw this yacht pulled up next to the ship and as i approached it i realized this was even though you know a a, a personal yacht is an expensive expensive luxury for super rich people i realized this one was in a very very different league first of all it had a helicopter parked on the back i'll let you borrow mine um, if you need to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and I also noticed that where all the um, all the chains for the anchors and uh, basically where any ropes came off anywhere on the ship, um, they were all the holes were lined with stainless steel. <laughs> and even at the front of the ship, there was like a stainless steel cladding over the prow that went all the way down below the waterline, um, and that is there to stop the ship rusting the ship was the the yacht was white and uh, even on these big cruise ship oils on whenever the sh- whenever a cruise ship is in port you always see three or four guys hanging off the side painting it because they have to if they want you know if you want a royal caribbean cruise ship to stay white all the time you are constantly painting it because the obviously the salt water rusts it uh, and anywhere where metal touches metal that's going to be worse um and so on cruise ships you do see black marks from the from the the uh the kind of the the rubber things they have on the side, the ports, to uh, to stop them hitting the concrete and stuff like that. This this yacht was pristine, and as I said, they'd clearly spent quite a lot of money trying to make sure it stayed that way. Uh, so when I got back on board, I got onto the uh, internet to try and find out whose it was, and I fed the name in, uh, and I discovered that this uh, this thing belongs to the Sultan of Oman, <laughs> uh, and uh, was was generally accepted to be about the fourth or fifth most expensive personal yacht on a float in the world wow so uh and nobody's ever seen the inside but they thought from um no, i mean nobody who's not in his close personal family and friends uh they thought it might be a, a two-story structure inside which uh, again is fairly unusual for a personal yacht so i guess those sorts of things you know those really really big ticket items are the things that where you know if you're uber rich those are the things you play with but in terms of everything else in terms of your day-to-day life i would imagine that yeah you probably use much the same sort of stuff that you and i do from a tech i mean obviously you can have a a much better refrigerator hell you can have a whole room that's nothing but a refrigerator but from an everyday technology standpoint is kind of what i was getting at yeah i mean for instance nick if i gave you uh you know unlimited funds to go out and buy whatever technology you wanted how much would you actually spend? I mean, yeah, you can get a bigger TV and stuff, but all said and done, are you really going to get anything that's much better than what you already own? No, probably not. I'd probably set up a really nice podcast studio. <laughs> that's probably what I would do. That's what I would do as well. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, See. let's be honest. I'm using uh, the podcast equipment that I use, other than the computer itself, which is um, what l- about a year old now. Uh, all the equipment that I use, I've had for five or six years now. The mobile pre-USB from M-Audio. I was using that at Chad Perry's house when, within the first year of my Mac podcast, which would have put it in, what, 2005? So, I mean, I don't have anything that I'm using that's new. And yet, I don't feel compelled to go out and buy new microphones. These work great. Yeah. Skype, I mean, Skype software. 
the cables, the cables are cables. Um, well, yeah, yeah. That's it's interesting you say that, Tim. I saw a documentary about Jeff Lynn, the guy who um, is the creative force behind Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah, a um, couple of couple of weeks ago, um, and that's actually that used to be one of the benchmarks of a, of a you know a well a well heeled rock star is they had a studio in their house, and sure enough, Jeff Lynn has a house in Los Angeles with a studio in it. But um, they showed he he basically he's been going back and he's been re-recording some of. Of some of ELO's biggest hits with modern technology because he was saying you know the, fa- the fact is we did a lot of stuff manually back then and I wanted to find out how these songs would sound if I, you know if I was able to do it all in Pro Tools now so that's what I'm doing and and yeah his studio setup at home was yeah it was it was more expensive than, than something you and I have but not by the orders of magnitude it used to be right it's the sort of thing that you and I if we wanted to have a proper podcast or or audio studio in our house nowadays we could save up and do it oh it only costs a couple thousand bucks you'd have to put some sound denning on the walls i've already got all the equipment i mean as far as a microphone and a boom stand that connects to the back of my desk and you know comes out yeah even if but even if you wanted you know a proper mixing desk and some extra digital recorders and pro tools and stuff like that you're still not talking you're talking about by rich guy terms, chump change. Yes. Whereas in the past, to set up a studio in your house, you would you were talking about probably a, a few hundred thousand dollars. That's right. And now you can do it for probably the price of a cheap Honda. Yeah. <laughs> if, and and that would be a very expensive, very very nice setup. And and that's that really as it goes back to what I was saying before about how the cost of things have come down and the value of our money has gone up and you don't realize it as it's happening incrementally. But no, that fact, was the point really that it, it, it's yeah. happened so slowly that we didn't even realize it. I mean, those arcades that I saw on Silver Spoons, I can pick up on eBay for five hundred bucks now. Yeah, now, I don't have room for one, and I actually I want a couple arcade games. So if there's anybody rich out there listening to this right now and they want to do something nice for me, I want a Burger Time arcade machine. <laughs> I don't know where I'd put it, but I want one. Um, but the games that he was playing, I, I've got them on my Ouya. <laughs> I mean, they're tiny. Yeah. They're nothing. I play them on emulation on a $99 machine. I mean, it's crazy how far we've come in a relatively short amount of time. That's what kind of that's what kind of gets me how far we've come. We talked about that last week, David. That if you go back ten years and then ten years before that, I mean, it's 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 quantum level changes, and yet it seems to happen for us very slowly. Um, Talking about yachts, Nick, you saw those pictures of Steve Jobs's yacht, right? I did. Yeah. What do you? Is it done yet, or is it still under construction? Because I'm not sure. I have no idea. Yeah, I wonder what they. <laughs> that was one of that. those Apple stories that I kind of threw away. Yeah, that was after he passed away, right? Well, he he had commissioned it years ago, yeah. and he was hoping to at least take one cruise before he died. But of course, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But we did just come up on his two year anniversary of his passing, and uh, do you think that he still is? Do you think his DNA is still what's running Apple? Or do you think Tim Cook's kind of changed that now? Ooh. um, Tim Cook has certainly tried. uh, That's for sure. Do you even want to change that DNA? I mean... You know, I I think the DNA is still there. Um, 
I have a couple friends. I don't know if you know this, but I I, I worked for Apple for for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I think, and I have a couple friends who who work um who work there still. I, I think I think the DNA is still there. I think t- the things that Tim has changed um, have been very operational. Um, a, a lot of talk is made in, in corporations about culture and, and the culture of the company. And I think Apple kind of spurred that um, into a lot of other companies and a lot of other a lot of other corporations. And I think that that main culture that he laid uh, when he came back is still there. It, and I don't think that will ever change. Um, I hope but, not. But the thing, yeah, like I said, I think I think the, the things that that Tim has changed are very operational and very procedural things. Um, you know, putting putting um, Johnny Ive more in charge of design. You know, in, in charge of all design, basically. Software and hardware now. Yeah, it, it was was a very good move. Um, getting rid of um, what's his name. Um, Forrestal? Scott, Scott Forrestal. Scott, Scott, Scott Forrestal, excuse me, yes, yeah. uh, was also a pretty decent move. So, I mean, it, he, he's shaping his executive team the way he wants it to be. But I, I think that the thing that he doesn't want to change or, or shape to the way that he wants to be is the culture. And, and he has, from what I've heard and, and seen, he hasn't he hasn't yet. And and it's funny to read the, the Apple's doomed stories because they're <laughs> obviously they're not. Yeah. <laughs> And the reason I ask you and I don't comment much on it is because I actually do know quite a few people at Apple, uh, especially uh, I, I, I do know some people in the retail, but the, most of the people that I know at Apple are um, either out of uh, Cupertino or Austin. So I, you know, because I've got a professional working relationship, I don't generally like to, to say anything about the people that work there. But I will say that it kind of snuck up on me that this was the two years of his passing. And uh, I read the letter that uh, Tim Cook sent out to the Apple employees that was posted online. And it seems that, in the tech world anyways, that he is still kind of the benchmark. And I don't know if that'll ever change about how you demand greatness. And you talked about culture. And a lot of tech companies kind of embrace that. Some of them kind of make me sick. Like I hear the, oh, this is the googly way of doing things. Ugh, I threw up on my <laughs> mouth just a little bit just saying it. Um, but I think when you look at a company like Microsoft that's been so dysfunctional for so long, with Steve Ballmer stepping down and them kind of reshuffling who reports to who and all that, I wonder if more companies are kind of looking at what Steve Jobs did at Apple from an organizational standpoint and maybe kind of emulating that. What do you think, David? Uh, I th- I think everybody kind of has that as a model. Um, the the model of, of how he transformed Apple when he returned, uh, and then having transformed it, took it to places that nobody... I mean, if you think about it, I, I know it's been called about what a great second act it was and all this sort of thing, but he took a company that was on his knee, on its knees, uh-huh. and within 12, what, 12, 14 years of that, while also fighting cancer as well, um, transformed three major industries. But not uh, just Apple, I, you, you also know. got to look at, he he was still yeah. in charge of Pixar. No, no, no that's for, what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm yeah, talking okay. about, yeah, he, 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 I'm talking Pixar... Um, and, and then the music industry, uh, and then the personal computer industry. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, well, the Note 4, because you've got to put the phone industry in there as That's well. Right. Yeah. So to do that in such a short period of time, while not, uh, not in 100% health, uh, and then ensure at the same time that the company would go on without him, because you can argue the toss about whether Apple is as good as it was or ever will be as good as it was again. I mean, that, that's kind of a – it's a bit of a specious argument because you haven't got – you can't compare one thing against the notional idea of what, what something else would have been like. Sure. You, haven't got the, you haven't got the data, have you? But the point is is that um, however Apple got, does going forward – he he established a legacy. He put the right people in place. That it will go forward. It didn't just implode as soon as he died, and um, it has continued to uh, put out products that people like, that people are interested in, that do blockbuster sales, uh, and all of that good stuff. And that is that is part of his legacy. That is part of the, uh, the fact that he did establish that team to do that. So so to be able to do that is is not easy to replicate. And I think. A lot of companies have it in the back of their mind, but don't. I don't think anybody would turn out and say, "Well, we want to do what Apple did, or we want to reorganize or, or turn the way Apple did." Because I think you really are setting yourself up for failure if you try and do that. Hey, Nick, when you think of Apple, and I mean, you do the Mac Guest podcast, so you're, I mean, guest get. I know <laughs> the Mac Guest podcast. <laughs> that was called the Bring Back. Um, yeah. But seriously. How do you come up with new content when you're you're talking about one company, even though they are the most popular PC maker out there now, with the iPad, with the iPhone, with the Mac, I mean, even the Apple TV, how do you come up with content on a weekly basis for that? Because I'll be honest, there's times that David and I are like, ugh, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. And we've got the whole tech industry to, to draw from. It's a good question. We actually talk about the same thing every week. Yeah. How much we love Apple. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Um, you know, I think there's after, a... after you got the prayers out of the way, there's not much time left. Oh, that's true. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a good question. We I, there's just so there's just so much going on with that company that we find something different to talk about whether it's a rumor and i don't like to cover rumors i feel like they get overdone quite a bit yeah i'm the Uh, same way as you are yeah um but you know we always find something and and actually sometimes we even go off we 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 do we've done a couple um topics uh a couple after hours shows as we call them um you know on like for example that ibooks decision um that came down from a court um we've even had a whole discussion a whole episode based on that facebook phone <laughs> um yeah that just that was selling that's been selling like hotcakes kind of taking over the world by oh yeah, wait a minute well, uh, yeah well we made um, a mistake there but <laughs> well the oh, funny well. thing is i think everyone was kind of excited about that facebook phone yeah and it got a whole lot of press when it was first released and then absolutely nothing what happened there i don't know i like that phone i actually i, I don't have it anymore i sold it but um, I liked you didn't it. like it that much. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> um, it helped fund the four, the five S purchase. So. <laughs> I was thinking at the time, instead of a phone, what would have made more sense is a Facebook Facebook tablet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, I, I love. There was a lot to, and and you can, yeah, if you want to, go listen to our episode that we talked about that. We, we talked a lot about you know what what the features that product brought and what Apple could learn from that. Um, and the, the way that that phone uh, handled your content 
was very different in, in, in like they I sound like an ad for that phone but it, it brought everything around your the people in your life mm-hmm. I mean you look at your life and everything is around your family your friends and the people and the relationships you make and that's what Facebook brings to you and that's what that phone did it brought everything it put your apps as second fiddle and it brought everything around your your relationships in your life which I thought was conceptually was is, great is an awesome idea I just think yeah. that a, it's it's too small. It's a phone, and I think people yeah. want larger screens for something like that. You're not doing it when you're in the car. You're you you're you're not supposed to be doing it at work. Although you know, almost all your friends work, and then yet somehow they're posting it to Facebook in the middle of the day. Um, but I just thought a tablet would just to me that would make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a bigger capacity for pictures because everyone's uploading pictures uh the ability to save stuff that you're finding on websites and then upload those to your facebook those stupid cartoons that we see every day um i don't know i just thought of, I, I thought a tablet it would be cheaper because you don't have to worry about a contract and that right there alone but you're asking people to give up their iphones and their android devices under contract for a brand new device that yeah you know what i mean yeah. so it had a lot of things working against it whereas in a tablet they wouldn't have worked against it, especially if they really would have pushed the gaming aspect of it as well. They could have sold it at, you know, video game stores. I don't think it yet works on a tablet, does it? It works on the notes, uh, so that's yeah, basically a tablet. They, yeah. <laughs> uh, Facebook, for some reason, just doesn't seem to be into the tablet. And I, I don't get it at all, because it, it, that's the only, that's the one place with Facebook other than the computer itself that I really actually enjoy Facebook. The only thing I do with Facebook on my phone is if, uh, well, for instance, uh, I'll check in when I get to work, one of our lo- three locations, and then I was driving home Thursday night, and I had to stop at a rest area because it was raining and hailing so hard I couldn't see the road, and uh, realized I need a new tire soon because <laughs> it was <laughs> it was getting a little scary. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting in my car. It's pouring out. I posted to Facebook, you know. That's about the only time I use it on my phone. It's just, to me, it's too small. Of course, I'm getting old and I need reading glasses now. But I don't know. I, I just think a tablet makes more sense. And uh, other than Apple, I don't think anybody's doing tablets that anybody's buying, are they? Well, yeah, nobody's doing them right. Well, <laughs> some, some would say <laughs> maybe maybe the Kindle Fires are doing it right because that's all about, kind of like uh, Facebook, it's all about Amazon. If you... If you're an Amazon Prime member, you get free videos, shopping, games are on there, books are on, everything's on there. It's it's Amazon, but the best parts of Amazon. Yeah, well, I mean, the interface is terrible. Oh, I guess I sh- I shouldn't say that. I haven't used the interface since the first version of the Fire, but from what I've from what I've uh, has it changed all that much? The yeah, uh, uh, apparently it has. Yeah, yeah apparently the latest version, particularly these new ones they've just launched, and they are meant to, they are meant to be they pretty that. good. But the problem is, is is the Amazon the Amazon uh, Kindle Fires are great consumption tablets, mm-hmm. and that's what they're designed to be. But they're not full tablets because they don't have the same. That you can't even run you can't even run plain Android apps on without sideloading them. Is so this the, the um, same kind of arguments that people are saying about the iPad? Well, it's not really a replacement for a computer. It's not. It's a. It's not. A, it's yeah, a consumption you need, device. You're you not do going need, to use it to yeah, create. Yeah, yeah, but 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 that is actually designed to be a consumption device. Um, let's face it. With Amazon's view, I'm sure is that 
anytime you're doing something like, you know, writing documents or something like that, anytime you're doing that, you're not in the Amazon ecosystem. And the whole point about selling that thing at cost is to get you using the Amazon ecosystem. Right. So it's very heavily skewed towards delivering you content rather than allowing to use it as a general purpose computing device. But I think that's so, smart. I, I think that it is. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying that's a bad strategy because right. I think there's an awful lot of people out there who that's all they want the tablets. Well, for. I think I would, I would argue no. that that's 95% of the population. I mean, we all run with other podcasters and we're, we're, we're techie type of people. So we associate a lot of those, um, how we use it. That's how other people use it, but that's, that's not the case. You're probably the only person in your family. Maybe you've got one cousin or something that's really into heavy into tech too, but I bet between the two of you, you guys are it in your family. Yes. You're the tech person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, how would your relatives who aren't into the tech, how would they view something like an iPad compared to a Kindle? I don't think for the most part, the average person is going to see that big of a difference initially. Now, as you get deeper yeah. into it, yes, the iPad has so much more capabilities. The ecosystem is surrounding it is just massive and so much better. But from a consumer standpoint, when you're going and you're looking at something, do you see that big of a difference? I've I've advised a few people on tablets and talked to them about what they wanted and um, each time I've talked about the Kindle Fires and I don't know anyone who's actually bought one. Yeah. <laughs> each each time they've gone for something that's a little bit more expensive but is more functional because they recognise that they don't want to use it just for consumption, particularly if they're buying it for kids. Because, you know, uh, for kids they want them to be able to do a bit of homework on it, they want be able to put to, to be able to play educational games as well as general games and um those functions are ex are, are important to them and they recognize that kindle fire can't deliver that so they they tend to go with something else they either go with a, a an android device or an ipad um the price the price of the ipad does hold hold it back for a lot of people now if you look at sales figures it doesn't well not, well not, i think but but I know plenty of people who have plumped for something cheaper because they decided they can't stretch as far as an iPad. Yeah. Then, having said that, I also knew a few people who, after we talked it through, they decided the iPad was probably the best device for them, and they either saved and waited longer, or they 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 went and bought something secondhand. So, what do you think, Nick? Do you think that the tablets is still and it's it's the iPad at this point? There is no tablet market; it's an iPad market. Or do you Absolutely. think that that's starting to change? No. Um, I don't think it is at all. I think it's still an iPad market. I, I think mean, it's going I, I just the opposite myself. I think that they just... Really? No, I mean... Oh. I think that it was a tablet market for a little while. Yeah. But that's it, pulling back. When I was going into the cell phone companies like AT&T and places like that, I was starting to see a lot of different tablets. But now I don't see them. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> and this is something... This is a point that I made um, on, on, on the Mac gist podcast last week Gist. <laughs> um <laughs> we um we were talking about a you know obviously the, the rumors are, are kind of swirling of, of a new ipad uh coming relatively soon actually probably this month i can't say anything about that and um <laughs> well i mean i can't either but it's uh it's, i mean if you follow their their history it looks like it's a pretty good chance but anyways i actually don't have a tablet right now um because i was stupid and belie believed some of the rumors that I heard that there was going to be a new one in September, and I sold mine in order to to help finance the new one. <laughs> and um, I'm so I'm sitting here without an iPad or or uh, or any kind of tablet at all for that matter. Is it bothering and you? It, that that was my point. 
I, I don't miss it. I, I, I think it filled a hole in my life that was created by the iPad to start with. Like, there, there never was a need for it. I, I, I have a MacBook Air and I have my, my iPhone 5S. Um, and I find that when I'm looking to do something mobile, I'm usually sitting on the bus or, or you know, waiting for it or, you know, so, somewhere where the MacBook Air is so light that I don't, it's not weighing me down. I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining about, about lugging this thing around because it's 13 so light. or 10? Um, 13. Sorry. Okay. Um, so, I mean, if I need to absolutely do something that is going to be, you know, cr- you know, editing a Word document or something more heavy, pulling out the MacBook Air is not cumbersome. I mean, it would be a little slicker if I had an iPad, but ultimately, every obviously everything I can do on my on my Mac, I can do, I could do on my iPad, and and honestly, the iPad was because it was a new uh, kind of a new way of doing things. It was inconvenient to edit edit Word documents and inconvenient sure. to do a lot of the content creation things that we talk about on the iPad. Obviously, watching a video is better on an iPad than it is on my iPhone, but when i'm on the bus i'm holding it in front of my face yeah so and plus it's kind of it feel, felt kind of awkward i watch a lot of tv shows on the bus it's kind of my i take an hour-long bus commute into downtown minneapolis to, to actually get to work and so that hour i typically will be reading a book or um or i will be watching a tv show that you know something i have recorded on my tv and i can stream it over to my my iphone and Nine times out of ten, I would pull out the iPhone because the iPad just felt so. I don't want this person next to me seeing what I'm. You know, just yeah. kind of that weird. Was that was that a, was that a ten inch iPad or a, or a mini? No, I had the the full size um, third yeah. gen. That you right need now. a mini. The mini yeah. makes the mini actually. It, it's it's amazing how different the mini makes that whole thing because it does literally take most of those problems away because it's so much smaller. Um, you do feel far, I, 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 I do sympathize exactly how you feel because I have uh, I had the, the full size iPad for a long time um, for my work tablet now I'm now using a Windows 8 tablet a Dell oh, Latitude 10 I'm sorry that's um, uh, for work I actually kind of like it but you know that's a, that's a separate conversation maybe I'll come up <laughs> maybe I'll come on your show sometime and talk about the difference between, between that and the iPad um, but anyway but the point is it's it's, it's actually slightly bigger than a 10 inch ipad mm-hmm. and and i know exactly how you feel because i would travel i travel a lot for work and i'd be going out to a restaurant in the evening to have some dinner on my own uh, and i'd be thinking oh i could you know i could browse i could catch up on my news groups or i could um, read read something on the, on the on my kindle app or i could watch a video or something like that and i would feel self-conscious about using a 10 inch tablet for that yep. it feels too big it is too big it's too much in other people's faces but when I switched to a mini, all of a sudden that became not a problem. I, actually, was, I felt I felt very comfortable by doing that. Actually, you know? just yesterday, the, the lady next to me on the bus was playing Candy Crush on her 10-inch iPad, and I wanted to just punch her iPad out of her lap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 it. I, I I do I you know despite the fact that you know Steve Jobs famously said that oh, we don't think anybody um, wants anything below 10 inches. I actually think the sweet spot is the mini. Uh, it's uh, and I know many people who've switched to the mini from the from the regular size iPad, be, and say it's so much better. Well, with that, you know, let's it, uh, it, wrap up this episode of Tech Fan with Nick wanting to punch old ladies on the bus. Uh, yes, and 
<laughs> no, not just her iPad, not her. Oh, sure. <laughs> Although so, she was on the phone for part of the bus ride, and I did kind of want to punch her for that. So, Nick, your podcast is part of the Stoplight Network, just like this one is. Where can uh, listeners go to hear your podcast and find what you're doing online? Because I've heard you on a lot of different podcasts, to be honest. You were on actually one uh, that I was totally wanting to be on. That was who would, who would you pick to be your partner in a fight? They had like Batman and oh yeah yeah that was a very uh, interesting one. No one picked Batman and that's totally the no. one I would have picked. No yeah that was the Casual Heroes. I don't, yeah. I don't I haven't been on their podcast in a while. I I was doing some movie reviews for a while yep. and uh, I should get a plug in really quick. If you haven't if you this weekend Gravity came out I saw it two weeks ago. It is a brilliant brilliant movie. Everybody needs to see it. Um, so that that's my quick movie review for this week. <laughs> I almost uh, always wait for them to come out on uh, iTunes now. I wouldn't. I, honestly, this is a this is a, a movie theater experience you need to have. Yes, well, that's two actors that I really like. So yeah, it, and it, it's a great performance by Sandra Bullock. It's the sound is what makes this movie, and that's why I say you should see it in a the theater because the sound uh, editing and effects are just amazing. Hmm. Um, I mean, that's all that the movie has to go off of if you think about it. But true, that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. So yeah, I, I am I am on uh, um, the uh, what's the other film podcast. Uh, uh, International Film International Club Fan Club Pass. Yep. Yes. Um, we uh, Tim and I do that one every once in a while. Tim Chatton. Um, and then uh, go to the macjustpodcast.com. Uh, that's where my weekly show is. We we try and do it weekly. Sometimes we run into some scheduling issues. So, but the macjustpodcast.com is where you can find that. David, you're on Twitter. I am sometimes, occasionally. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter <laughs> that often, to be honest. I. Uh, I don't know. I, I just keep forgetting to post anything at Twitter. I think that's my problem. I, for a, for a, a good solid week, I had the Twitter app on my Mac running at all times. And when I did that, I was posting quite a bit. But if I don't do that, I don't think about it. Just one of those things. Yeah. So where are you at on Twitter, David? I'm at David B. Cohen. What about you, Nick? Where are you at on Twitter? Um, at Nick Rodriguez. And I am at MyMac, M-Y-M-A-C, even though I never set up my own kind of personal account. Maybe that's the problem. Because when I post, you know, at MyMac, it was supposed to be, you know, MyMac.com's Twitter thing. (laughs) I mean, if you go to MyMac.com, you'll see the Twitter feed, and it's it's my Twitter feed. (laughs) So I never, I didn't really separate them, and that's, maybe that's what I ought to do. I'll, I'll leave the MyMac one as the MyMac twitter page and i'll just create my own but the problem is i'm like number two million on twitter which sounds like a huge number it's not <laughs> you look at some of the actors that have you know 50 million people following them on twitter and they're like number fourteen million nine hundred eighty-two thousand. so i'm like i was on twitter way before you so how do you find that out uh if you go to your own twitter page it will actually show you the number and that's the number you were when you joined twitter huh I mean, I've got a very, it's my Mac, M-Y-M-A-C. That's a, it's, it's a very short name on Twitter, mm-hmm. which is extremely rare nowadays. Unless it's some nonsensical thing, it's going to be hard for anybody to get, you know, such a small Twitter handle now. And, uh, but I was on it so early. So I, I got into a big argument with somebody else named Nick Rodriguez recently. <laughs> they were like, I want my username. And I'm like, well, too bad. <laughs> Yeah, I, the celebrities go through that. Um, I listen to uh, the Jay Moore podcast, and he's got a sports one now, too, and I listen to that occasionally. And he's Jay Moore 37, and that's because somebody else had Jay Moore. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it is what it is. I guess you're the first in line, you get it. So with that, we're going to wrap up Tech Fan number one thirty six. Uh, thank you for listening. If you've got some time, go up to our website follow the link over to itunes and leave a review there and again if you want to send us feedback it's tim at techfanpodcast.com or david at techfanpodcast nick thanks for joining us this week we really appreciate yeah. it man thanks for having Love me. to have you back again sometimes i know it was a yeah. weird time to start but um that's you know. my fault well and yeah but it's it, both david and i work and plus he's in the uk so it, it's it's cumbersome sometimes yep. and uh you know next time uh we've we know ahead of time when we're going to record i'll kick you out an invite because uh, i really enjoyed you being here it was fun yeah for yeah. sure and i'll definitely check out gravity because i want to see that now yeah mm-hmm. so see you guys later